Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail, and joining me today for the 31st edition of the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast is... McKenna! McKenna! Oh, wait, no, no, Mortimer. Mortimer? Mortimer. Mortimer? Mortimer. That's my name. Voldemort? Voldemort. No, you can't say his name. Oh, sorry. Okay, the podcaster co-host who cannot be named, McKenna Monorail. No, wait, you did <laughs> Who are you? Uh, Chicken Nugget 2. Uh, also known as, a.k.a. Chicken, Aka. Trash bag. <laughs> Caught him. Garrett Monorail's here, and across the table from me... Samantha Monorail. Samantha Monorail. We're all here. Full house. This is going to be oh. an exciting episode. That, yeah, no, we're Fuller not talking house. about full house. This is, not, this is not a full house no. podcast. Fuller no. house podcast. No, no, no. All no. right. Today is Monday, November 19th. This is Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving. Thought those turkeys. Thought. 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 She said thought. She said it really weird. I thought she said thought those turkeys, and I was like, thought what does that even mean? Out. No. Oh, thaw out those turkeys. Thaw yeah. out. That's right. It's Monday, so you better start thawing them out now because it'll probably take until then. Don't be like me and pull the turkey out of the freezer Thursday morning. If um, you do that, just deep fry it. You should wait till Wednesday. Your turkey should already be thawing at this point. Yeah, you're right. So, get with it, people. So get with the program. <laughs> hey, we should say officially happy birthday to Mickey Mouse. Yesterday, Mickey's 90th birthday. He's an old guy. He's an old dude. He's Mortimer. aged well. He has, mirror? he has. We watched a compilation of Mickey cartoons today, and we also ended up watching Steamboat Willie, which I'd never seen all the oh way through. Oh my gosh, it's full of animal abuse. It was <laughs> chock full of animal he abuse. He threw a cat. He, <laughs> he swung a cat by the tail. <laughs> yeah, and then he drowned <laughs> a parrot. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, and he was pulling baby pigs' tails. It was devastating. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into this, because we've got a show chock full of exciting content today. In segment three, we have a very special guest joining us. Yeah. For the first time ever, we interview a certified Disney vacation planner, Nick Salcedo, of Capture the Magic Vacation. So stick with us for that. That's going to be really cool. He's going to tell you all the things, basically tell you all the advice that we've ever given you about planning a Disney vacation has been terrible, and he's here to correct it. No. Yes. Maybe we weren't that far off, but he is, he is better at it than us, so listen to him. Um, segment two, of course, M34D. But before we get to any of that goodness, let's start out with addressing a conversation that we had on Twitter. So early last week, I asked a very controversial question. The first question I asked was, when you think about the Disney Fab Five, the classic Disney Fab Five, do you personally include Pluto or Daisy in that Daisy. Fab Five? So Garrett, first to chime in, includes Daisy. Why do you say Daisy? I feel like... Pluto. I don't want to be mean to Pluto lovers, but Pluto's kind of just a pet. Okay. But he is Mickey's bestest friend. 
you don't include Minnie's cat in the Fab Five, Fab Five, do you? Has she had a, yeah, a she significant a role she in a, a bunch? White has, cat. has it had a significant role in a bunch of the Mickey cartoons? Mouse Clubhouse? Oh yeah, her cat was big in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But before that, classic, classic Disney Fab Five. Well, that's the question. Would you consider Chip and Dale in the Disney Fab Five? No, I don't. And Disney doesn't either. But here's the thing: it's confusing. Because if you go out and you actually like, say you say you were to do something crazy like Google Disney Fab Five, you're going to get two answers. Yeah. You're going to have Mickey, Goofy, Minnie, Donald, and then either Daisy or Pluto. They're interchangeable. And it kind of depends. But I did find out through doing my research, my angry Googling, uh, because I was frustrated. I personally think I put Pluto in there. Pluto. I put Pluto That's because you too. like Pluto. I do. Pluto's my favorite. He's my boy. I put Pluto in there too, but Daisy was before Pluto, was she not? Nope. Daisy, that's that. See, oh. that's another thing that I think supports the argument. Daisy was created ten years after Pluto. Ah, look at Disney World. I'm pretty sure on where we where we met Daisy, mm-hmm. it said she was part of the Fab Five. Well, here's the thing. There's a new term that. Well, maybe not that new, but I wasn't aware of it that I found out about called the Sensational Six, and she's part of that. So it includes Pluto and Daisy. So, if you want to be less controversial, I guess you could just say Sensational Six, but what's the fun in that? I might say Sensational Six, because I'm not fun, and I think everyone should be included. Controversy is what gets you clicks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But really, to be honest, we got a lot of response to this tweet. Um, It it pleases me that people are so passionate about the characters. So, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown for those who... Because, I mean... I love the fact that we're getting the interaction. I want to give you all credit for participating in the conversation. So, WDW Minibar, Allison, she said, definitely Pluto. Sorry, Daisy. Hey, I'm with you. Okay. No reason to apologize. Yeah, I'm with her too. Well, Daisy is a duck and Donald's my favorite. So. Yeah, that's why you say Daisy. Yeah, you're a big duck uh, fan. At TTA Travelers, this is uh, alternate reality, Nick. He said Pluto. That's just the way it is. Uh, Jade-esque said Daisy. And put a little gif of Daisy with hearts coming up. Very cute. Nick Salcedo, previously mentioned, will be joining us later on the podcast, said Pluto. Isn't that why Donald was so mad in the past? Daisy calms him down, kind of. It's true. Yeah. Daisy levels him out a little bit. Yeah. Erica at E-R-Y-K-A-H underscore 84. She said Pluto. Nicole Briggs said always Pluto, even though I know the correct answer is Daisy. And I said, I don't know that that's a correct answer. I just, that's why we're talking about it. Right. Uh, Part of our world podcast, one of our friends over at Part of Our World Podcast weighed in, and they said, I'm flabbergasted Daisy's even an option. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's out there. Yeah. Nate Berman said, Daisy, heavily influenced by all the Mickey books I read to my two-year-old. That's fair. Totally fine. Crystal and Bryson said, Pluto was an original with Mickey. That's my point. Uh, Disney World Adventures said, I always say Daisy. And then Dean said, it's Pluto. Has to be Pluto. Daisy makes the sensational six. And this is where I got in the conversation of, I didn't realize that was even a thing. But now I've I've learned something. This podcast has taught even me something. How about that? Oh, my I, gosh. I think I had heard, heard that before, but I didn't remember it was sensational. Yeah. I knew there was a six. That's what it is. Mita D says, with all due respect to Daisy, definitely Pluto. Lila Q, Team Pluto for sure. He's such a good boy. Definitely a mouse's best friend. Agreed. Claire says the Fab Four just add many, and it's a picture of Goofy, uh, Donald, Pluto, and Mickey crossing a street, like the old Beatles, oh, Beatles yeah. reference. Yeah. Sarah Tittlebaum says Pluto, hands down all the way. Main Street ASA says Pluto. 
Stamdoff Chronicles says Pluto for sure. Theme Park Beer Drinker says Pluto, yes. And then Life with the Langtons, I definitely say Pluto. I think Daisy got blown out of the water. Yeah, yeah. it seems like an overall Pluto vote. Like yeah. sitting ducks. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> So while we were having this conversation, and, and again, thanks for all of you for weighing in, tweeting, liking, retweeting, oh, all the yeah. things that you did. This is the question oh, that came yeah. to my mind, Let's because go. I think we have a, a new uh, heavy hitter when it comes to animation and character creation, and that's Pixar. Yeah. Woo. Pixar animation. So the question came to my mind, if you were going to create a Fab Five of Pixar characters, who would it be? And guess what? People are not passionate about this at all, as you can imagine. So what do you guys want to do? You want to give your opinions first, or I should I go like to Twitter to, first? I would like to tell you. Because Twitter Twitter has some opinions on this. Well, I know. I yeah, saw I'm the gonna, opinions on Twitter, and I am like my You're heart hurt. hurts. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, why don't you start us off, McKenna? Who okay. is your Pixar Fab Five? And, so. and I want to hear some good support for this. All right. Well, the thing is, they're my personal Fab Five. They're not like... So if I was doing the Fab Five, I, of course, would like do Woody and stuff. Mm-hmm. And But this is my personal Fab Five instead of what that's fine. the okay. real Fab All right. Five is. So the, the ones everyone, that are most important to you. That's fine. Wait, wait. Me. Is Ratatouille a Pixar thing? Yeah. Yes. So everyone in Ratatouille is your pick. Listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first I have Remy the Rat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emile. Okay. Mm-hmm. All, those are both from Ratatouille. Two rats. Then I have Crush from Ooh, Nemo. Okay. And then I have Bruce from Nemo. Okay. And then, oh, the Abominable Snowman from Monsters, Inc. With yellow snow? Yeah, I love him. He's in your Fab Five. He's in my Fab Five. Okay. That's an interesting pick. A dark horse. Not Sully, not Mike. The Abominable Snowman. He is the one that pushed them. He was like, you guys need to stop being such turds to each other. And then they... Direct quote from the movie. Yeah. Exactly. I know I can quote movies off the top of my head like that, so don't... Don't try to look it up. <laughs> All right. Sam, you want to go next? Sure. Okay. Mine's going to sound kind of weird, but I have a purpose for it. Okay. So, the grandmother, the great-grandmother from Coco. Okay. Her name's the Coco. skeleton lady. Yeah, Coco is the grandmother. Okay. Yeah. Um, her, because okay. no, she no. can hold a grudge. Co- you're thinking of oh, the, oh, the, the person who was like the first. Yeah, the mother. Yes. Story. Yeah. Oh. Her. No, I'm yeah. not talking about Mama Coco. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the deceased one. Okay. Yeah. Because she made her whole family stop listening to music. That woman can hold a grudge. So, I mean, okay. she's kind of cool. She's pretty strong. Okay. Um, Elastigirl, the mom oh, from yep. The Incredibles. Yep. Okay. Um, she's awesome. Yeah. Because she uh, kicks butt. I'm feeling a girl power theme here. Joy from Inside <laughs> Out. <laughs> Because yep. she learned some pretty valuable lessons and that everything's and not happy. who she's and voiced Amy Poehler, by. Yeah. Merida from Brave. Another girl power pick right there. And Dory from Nemo. What <laughs> okay. about Colette from Ratatouille? <laughs> <laughs> she drives a motorcycle. Okay. She, and well, is awesome. And she I threatens to my, chop off someone's hand. You already got to pick yours. This I'm, t- I'm saying for you because you're wrong. This one's so. fine. I like it. That's I like it. So I respect it. I um, like that they're all pretty um, important women in the movies. Like Colette from Ratatouille. You like Dory because she she forgets things like you do. Exactly. <laughs> and Dory has the biggest heart. And it's Ellen. Of all time. Yeah. And voiced by Ellen. And it's a really diverse group, too. It is. So. Lots of picks. Colette. Rep- very representative. Colette's like this strong, cool girl. <laughs> you're, you're wrong. All right. 
Garrett, what have you got? All right, all right. So she stole one from me. That's okay. Which was Merida. Overlap is good. Merida's, Merida's on the list. Okay. Um, Hold on. Lightning McQueen. Okay. Wally. Yeah, Wally. Sully. Wait, how much? Is That's that four? four. And then Woody. Okay. So I like that, Garrett. Um, is there any reason you picked those, or are those just like your favorite Pixar characters? Definitely iconic. Mm-hmm. And I really like those characters. Okay. It's different for everybody, obviously, by what we learned on Twitter. So, and I was definitely called out because as I was kind of prodding people, hey, I know it's tough, but you got to pick five. You know, they, they definitely called me out and said, okay, well, who's yours? I was waiting for the opportunity to share it because as you know, you all are wrong. Here's the correct, oh my here, gosh. Here's the correct answer. And I'll explain why. It's Woody, Buzz, Bo Peep, Jesse, and Bullseye. So you just chose Toy Story characters. You know why? Because it's the first. It's the first. Foundational. Just like Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and Pluto. I just think you're and, wrong all the time. And hold on, hold on. You might wonder why Bullseye. Bullseye is the Pluto of yeah. the Pixar Fab Five. He doesn't talk, but he's their best friend. You're wrong. He's helpful. You're he's wrong. always there. Plus, Mickey and Minnie, right? They're a couple. So you've got to have Bo Peep and Woody. They're the, they're the power couple. Wait, why not Jesse and Buzz? Jesse and Buzz are in there. They're, why can't they be the power couple? Because Bo Peep is gone. Here's my answer to that. Who is the giant icon you see when you walk into Toy Story Land? Who greets you? Yeah, but um, uh, Woody. Jesse's who was the up first? There. Who was the first? Who was Andy's toy before anybody else showed up? Well, I don't know about anybody else, but before Buzz, Woody was. So Woody. Yeah, and before Jesse. Woody's the wrong. Woody's the sheriff that started it all, and you're my favorite deputy. Listen here. And so are you. Listen here. Nice. Okay, so Buzz and Jesse are the power couple of the Toy Story universe. Well. I'm fine if you want to say that, but I still Bo think... Because disappeared, so... But I still think that... But I also think you're wrong, so... That Woody is... I think it makes sense that... Because I was thinking it should be people from the same thing, because that's how the Fab Five are. Yeah, they can inter- they can interplay. But see, here's here's the other thing people are saying, is they, they come from all these different worlds, right? That's true. But their but worlds are connected. Aren't all the Pixar worlds supposed to be connected? They're yeah. all in the same mm-hmm. thing. They are. Yeah. We always see Dinoco everywhere. Every movie you see in Pixar has Dinoco. And, and a lot of ones have Pizza Planet. Yeah. They, so there's a lot of crossover. So, of course, people always say, well, the Pixar movies are obviously all set in the same universe. So that's why it's fine for all these to interplay. Yeah. And what about the Pixar ball? The Pixar ball. No, well, someone said, okay, so that takes me to, to the Twitter because um, somebody did say the Pixar lamp, which I think is an awesome choice. That's yeah. pretty good. Because the lamp was there before Toy Story. If people didn't know, I saw all your tweets. <laughs> it's true. So, um, and didn't you go through and put Remy on that's all because <laughs> Woody? Yeah, you put Remy gifts on everything. No, there's only one person who chose Remy. Thank you, that Nick. Was Nick. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Guest later on the show. Yeah. Shout out to Nick. Thank um, you. All right, TTA travelers. They said Buzz, Woody, Lightning McQueen, Wally, and Mater because they feel like they're the most iconic. It's fine. I can't argue with putting Wally in the Fab Five, and I think they're. I mean, like Cars and You're Toy wrong. Story. Cars and Toy Story are, are the like they're huge for Pixar. They're the biggest ones, I think. The original Cars and the original Toy Story. Well, they were. I um, had Toy Story, Cars, Monsters Inc., and Wally and, and Brave. Brave, I know. In okay. Mind, so. 
So here's where the argument started. This was Mouse Guest, and they said the problem is that most Pixar movies are made up of several great characters, with usually two who are the primary friends, like Buzz Woody, Lightning Mater, Mike and Sully. So it's difficult to split up the pair. And I agree with that, but that's what's fun about this. Yeah. <laughs> Merida and Archery. Jen loves Disney. And shout out to Jen. She is on the Mouse Knows Best podcast with Kevin. She said Woody Buzz, Mr. Incredible, Sully, and Mike Wazowski. I think those are great picks. Yeah. Uh, I think Mr. Incredible deserves to be in the I conversation. Think she's wrong. I think Mike and Sully deserve to be in the conversation. Um, Nick, again, shout out to Nick. Here we go. Very good question. Woody, Buzz, Nemo, Remy, and Lightning McQueen. I think you're right. <laughs> good one. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We never got an answer from the Dillos, so I don't know what's up. They told me that they were texting about this and they were working on it, but Jen and Frank did not weigh in on this. Ah, uh, slacking. I know. So I, I'm waiting with bated breath. Yes. I hope on Theme Park Thursday this week, in the middle of talking about visiting Mickey's exhibition, the true original exhibition, they're going to tell us what their Pixar Fab Five is. Yeah, we kind of need to know. Or at least text it to me or something. I don't know. Something. Jocelyn at Disney Gratitude One said, Mr. Incredible. Miss Incredible, Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. So it's the Incredibles, which is... Yeah, she's still wrong, though. But I like her choice. I like staying in that the Incredibles theme. I think it makes sense. I'd like to argue that none of this can be wrong because it's opinions. I think it's all wrong <laughs> because only Remy is that's right. That's exactly what makes everyone wrong because I'm the only opinion that's oh right. Oh, my gosh. Um, no. Um, you know I'm kidding. That's not how opinions work. <laughs> Okay, Thankful Disney Allows said the closest thing is the Toy Story core of Woody, Buzz, Rex, Jesse, Potato Head. So this is what I was saying. They almost stole my thunder on this one because that's exactly where I was going. And that's I put a Seinfeld uh, making a raising his eyebrows, making an interesting face because I was like, ooh, interesting point. Because giving them a hint, they were on to something there. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Allison weighed in, WDW Minibart, Marlon, Dory, Nemo, Crush, and Squirt. Crush. I Aww. agree with Crush, but I still think she's wrong. Katie, Disnerd Katie said, Woody, Mike Wazowski, Marlin, Elastigirl, and Lightning McQueen. Marlin? Wrong. Yeah. Nemo's dad. I know who Marlin is. I don't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Marlin was the main character of Finding Nemo. Yeah, he really was in it more than Nemo was. He was He's the, the one finding Nemo. I guess. And it, yeah. she said, I know, I know everyone will go for the titular character, but Marlin, and I don't we got to not cuss on this podcast, but she cussed. That's okay. Oh. That's okay on Twitter. Yeah. And yeah. Then, but then she said, leave lightning out and include the Pixar lamp. And I, I thought that was a brilliant. Lightning is in mine. Lightning McQuack. Yeah. So what about that snowman in the snow globe Pixar short? Right. He's a good one. Yeah. And that was a early on Pixar short. Um, and the old man who plays chess. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we could, do, we could do a Fab Five of Pixar shorts. That would be fun. <laughs> that could be the next you question. Know, there's a frozen Pixar short. Yeah, I know. It wasn't very short though. No, it no. was it was a long. There's one. a DVD movie of it. Yeah, my magical planner said Nemo, Buzz, Sully, Wally, and Lightning McQueen. My bad. Yeah. And they said that they might change their mind shortly. And I think this is something that would evolve. Like if you went and watched, you know, Up, you might say Doug. Not it. Not if I you're would, using your is, is, logic. Is Kevin the bird's name? Kevin is the bird's name. I would say Kevin. Yeah, I know you're a fan of Kevin. Kevin, Speaking of Kevin, Kevin Scott weighed in. Double O Kevin. Woody, Buzz, Miguel, Nemo, and Lightning McQueen. Why wouldn't he include Kevin? I would just say that you're wrong again after you were... You pointed me out for being wrong when you're the one who's wrong, buddy. All right. <laughs> you are wrong, according to Daddy. But of course, that's... You're wrong. Again, that's Kevin from 
the Mouse Knows Best podcast. We've got two of the cast of thousands from the Mouse Knows Best podcast weighing in. Yes. Uh, Landon from M34D fame said, Shrek, the sexy minion, B, Jerry Seinfeld in the one movie about bees, Zangief from (laughs) Reckless Ralph, and Larry the Cable Car. Um, none of those count. No. But here was his real Larry one. Larry the cable car do. <laughs> do? Do. Here's his real one. Woody, Slinky Dog, voiced by Jim Varney, Wally, Mr. Incredible, and Edna, Edna Mode. That's good. Still wrong, but I, I like one was Edna Mode a lot. Yeah. You didn't choose She's pretty cool. Edna Mode for I, your Fem 5. I didn't. You're right. Ooh, Ooh. hashtag Fem 5. Ooh, McKenna. Nice work, McKenna. You're welcome. Clever. <laughs> McKenna is podcasting gold. Okay, that conversation took longer than I imagined that it would, and we've got a lot of stuff going on in this show today. I kind of feel like we're going to maybe have to do a whole separate thing to talk about Destination D, the D23 event that happened at the Contemporary this past week, because there was a lot of news that came out of there. Okay. So maybe we'll do like a little additive thing at some point later on and drop it in. Maybe as a Thanksgiving gift. That would be fun. So we could do something. But I don't want to steal Thunder on Theme Park Thursday. So maybe maybe we'll drop it Friday. Black Friday. Okay. A Black Friday special. That, We're going to talk Destination D. That would be good. Okay. Let's do it. And All right. the full Monday morning monorail on Cyber Monday. Come back Friday. We'll have a very special episode for you. Until then, we're going to take you to M34D, and then we're going to go talk to Nick about planning a vacation with a certified Disney vacation planner. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is the Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes. And joining me, I would say as he does every time, but it's not been every time because there was one instance where maybe it was just me in the Disney Deep Dive. But he's here today nonetheless. And that, of course, is my dearest friend, Landon the Dawes Dome. Landon, welcome back to the Monorail uh, always a pleasure to be here on the monorail bright and early on a Monday morning. And also, we're adding something new. We're adding a visual element. If you go on YouTube and put on your 3D glasses right now, you could. Oh, and, and Zoe, apparently. <laughs> we will not be stooping to any cheap 3D tricks. This is when you're supposed to go, did you say cheap 3D tricks? And then throw a pie at them or something. I'm not going to throw a pie at my computer. My computer might be old, but it's not that old. Come on. <laughs> so, guys. Taking the next step, adding technology, adding a feature, go out to YouTube. If you're not already subscribed to the Monday Morning Monorail podcast, I don't know what you've been doing with your life, but do it now, and then you can get the M34D video edition every single week going forward. So hopefully this is not a failed experiment. Hopefully this lovely face right here. (laughs) Hopefully it's something that you enjoy, and uh, we'll just for the ladies right now continue to do it. <laughs> we'll see you you're gonna creep people out there i can feel oh, yeah. the subscriber number dropping <laughs> as we Fine, let, let me go put my pants back on <laughs> <laughs> all right well or, or since we are in a disney uh podcast we call that donald ducking it yeah that's true unless you go swimming and then it's shorts no shirt 
<laughs> which makes a lot of that sense. That is true. Yeah. But he's a, what? Yeah. Who knows? He shouldn't yeah. have to wear anything in the water, but you know, Disney rules, cartoon <laughs> rules. Oh, look, Zoe's making an appearance on the show. Yeah, and you'll probably hear her and her uh, toy shortly. So, you know, just be prepared. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get to the matter at hand, Landon. Today, we're going to be talking about an attraction that was a day one attraction at the Walt Disney World Resort in the Magic Kingdom, but it was something that neither one of us got to experience because it actually closed before both of us were even thought of and not even a twinkle in our (laughs) parents' eyes. Nope. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, we are going to be talking about the Mickey Mouse Review. So... My first question would be, I wonder if we've got listeners out there that experienced this show, because I would love to know if it was as terrifying in person as it appears to be (laughs) on the YouTube channel, because, oh my goodness, it is quite uh, startling to see, because its characters we're familiar with, but they all look a little not right, you know? Yeah, uh, the first term that came to my mind as I watched the YouTube video was uh, nightmare fuel. So, yeah. uh, like you said, they are characters we're familiar with, but it looks like they're like, you know, 90 percent there. It, yeah, yeah, something's wrong. It's like you took an Ambien before going to bed, like, <laughs> like and, you were, and you were maybe watching, like, Mickey cartoons, and this is what happened. But uh, yeah, it, it's like some Disney themed Five Nights at Freddy's yeah, stuff. It is. It's exactly that. For those of you who are like us and you weren't born yet, or you just didn't get to experience it, essentially what we're talking about is this was not live action. It was an animatronic musical review. All through the years, all we ever do is add to the Mickey canon of things that he can do. I mean, he's, I think he's had more professions than Barbie. He's got, or at least as many, um, he's got as many skills as Barbie. But one of the things that they added uh, as part of this show was that Mickey was a conductor of an orchestra. And that orchestra happened to be filled with all of his friends and all of our friends, characters from Mickey's cartoons and the Disney movies that we that we'd seen up to that point. So that's that's kind of the show. I mean, there was a bit of a pre-show where you'd go in and you heard this disembodied voice tell you that, you know, oh, by the way, you may not know this, but Mickey's a conductor and we're going to go see a show. And all the all the songs that the band played. So the animatronic band would rise up out of the pit, Mickey in the middle, wearing his tux conducting the orchestra he did look good in that tux you he, gotta be he rocked that tux yeah mm-hmm. and then much like country bear jamboree there are side stages and occasionally the orchestra would sink back down into the pit and the side stage would open there'd be something going on over there so that's that's what we're talking about and none of it was screens all animatronics a lot of them i i read up to 80 animatronics 81 animatronics on stage all at once Excuse me, let me pardon myself. Not all at once, but between the three different stages, 81 animatronics, right? Uh, Maybe during the grand finale, they might all be on stage at once. Yeah, that's a good point. So pretty cool because I personally am a big fan of animatronics. I I prefer to see stuff like that as opposed to screens. You know, if I want to watch entertainment on a screen, I can do that at home right here on my computer or maybe on YouTube like you. (laughs) But... I like the animatronics. I think it's cool. I like robots. I'm not really, right now, maybe I'm naive. I'm not afraid of them taking over the world just yet. So <laughs> I'd give it like 15 years. And, and if I, they, for one, welcome our robot yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. And if they're going to, I hope they look like Disney characters. And I'll be cool maybe, with it. <laughs> maybe not these specific <laughs> animatronics from the ride, because, I mean, like, once again, nightmare fuel. Yeah, it was. But, but anyway, uh, I, I do think it was a cool experience. And a unique experience. During my research, I found out that of the opening day attractions at the Magic Kingdom, this was unique. 
to the Magic Kingdom. It was not a duplicate from Disneyland that they brought over, and Disneyland didn't have a Mickey Mouse review. And I wonder how many of the opening day attractions were unique to Walt Disney World as opposed to Disneyland. Well, you know, as we kind of went through it, I, I looked down the list, and, and pretty much every single thing that we've covered is found in Disneyland. It may not be exactly the same. We, we know that they change things occasionally, but... I'm going down the list, and I don't see anything other than, you know, we talked about extraterrestrial, which wasn't opening day. but it was not opening day. But that... What, what, what about the uh, Frontier uh, Land The Shooting Arcade? The yeah, Shooting Arcade's arcade. at Disneyland. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll take that, my beliefs. Yeah. So, but this was unique. Unique to Disney World. And that's significant. And I can tell you, not, not just because it's the only one, but because I read an article um, as I was doing my research, and basically what I read is that... Walt didn't really think the parks should be identical. He wanted there to be differences. And apparently, and Fantasyland, which is where this location, the location of this attraction was, Fantasyland was supposed to have very different attractions from what Disneyland had. So, yeah, it wasn't supposed to have Snow White. It wasn't supposed to have Mr. Toad. Those were things that were supposed to be reserved for Disneyland. Disney World was supposed to have a Cinderella attraction. Apparently, it was supposed to have a Ichabod and the Headless Horseman attraction. Oh, dude, I would have signed up for that. Of course, stupid little wiener kid Landon probably would have been terrified of that as well. Right. Spoiler alert, Ichabod dies at the end. Yeah, but we could have appreciated it now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But apparently budget constraints are what led them to just duplicate what they had in Disneyland and recreate it. But here is the great irony. Because they decided to make changes to the Disney World version and because of the Mickey Mouse review, they ended up going way over budget anyway. So... <laughs> What can you do? We're going to save money by copy and pasting it, except in this one instance, and it cost them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but the Mickey Mouse review was an opening day, opening day attraction. It ran until September 14th of 1980, um, so almost two years to the day before I was born. When at that point, it was actually relocated to Tokyo Disneyland, and it ran there all the way until 2009. So there is no more Mickey Mouse review. And we'll get into maybe what happened to some of those animatronics in just a minute. But up until 2009, you could have experienced it at Tokyo Disneyland. Now it's gone. I was honestly, I was honestly surprised that it had that long of a run. Yeah. Uh, considering when it opened at Walt Disney World all the way to, to its end date at Tokyo Disney. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty dadgum good run. So not to sound small-minded or ignorant or anything, but what I would say is... You see, you see entertainment that comes out of Japan. They're into some different things than we are, and I could see them digging this a little more than what the American audience might. To be honest, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying that's a fact. Look, <laughs> have you seen anime? Seriously, yeah. And let me say this: I'm not making a judgment. Don't take this as me making a judgment. <laughs> I'm not judging anybody because let me be the first to say I like some weird stuff. Okay, so I'm not. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying Japan is doing their own thing over there, and that's fine. Yeah, no judgment. And that's why me. they probably enjoyed the Mickey Mouse review. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've made all of your Japanese Now that we have alienated... viewers on YouTube made them yep. all angry. Way to go. I'm very sorry. Please uh, accept my apology. I would love to share some sushi with you. In an interview in 1962... Walt Disney talked about uh, new audio animatronic technology. Specifically, where did it start? It started in the Tiki Room, right? And upcoming in the in the haunted house attraction that he wanted to build. So that was part of the inspiration here. They really wanted to take that audio animatronic technology and build something 
onto it and really like capitalize the use of it. So Bill Justice, deeply involved in the creation of the show, he wanted to make this the signature attraction of the park. That's, really? Yeah, it, that was the idea. This was going to be an e-ticket. It was going to be the centerpiece. Wow. Yeah, and so, and you know, he, people people trusted his judgment. This guy was responsible for animating Chip and Dale in theatrical shorts. He was, he was also uh, one of the key programmers for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, audio animatronics. Caribbean. So, Caribbean. You know, Price of the Caribbean. Way. Either way, man. Uh, <laughs> but, and also, but, his name is Bill Justice. I mean, if, if I run into somebody named Bill Justice, I'm probably just going to defer to whatever they say. Like, yes, sir, Mr. Justice. I agree with that. But then he also uh, brought in the help of John Hinch, who we've talked about before on this podcast, and Blaine Gibson. Uh, both of them were experienced and well thought of Imagineers. So, Let's just get into talking about the show a little bit. Like I mentioned, there you, you, you did have a pre-show. There was an eight-minute film. So there, I guess you consider that some screen entertainment that kind of detailed Mickey's career. Use, you know, old, all the way from Steamboat Willie to the current com- cartoon, showing all of the things that Mickey had accomplished and all of his experiences. And then after that, you were ushered into the concert hall where up from the pit rose the orchestra and Mickey Mouse... And they did, uh, they performed a medley of Disney songs. So things like Hi Ho, Whistle While You Work, Wish Upon a Star. And then that's when we started moving to the side. Um, we had some uh, a scene of the Three Little Pigs. We had a scene of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We had a scene of Alice in Wonderland. And then we had the Three Caballeros appear with Donald Duck, Jose, and Panchito. And, uh, and then they would disappear and their voices would pop up around, around the theater. So Cinderella was there. I mean, if you guys want to go see, there's a long list. And one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, if you go to the Wikipedia page, was trying to, like, it's kind of fun to guess, like, what do you think uh, this particular character specializes in in an orchestra? (laughs) And I can tell you, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, trumpet players. It didn't really surprise me. Yeah, I was going to say, that feels about right. But when you look, it's like, the Mad Hatter is rocking a bass clarinet. (laughs) I would have thought him more percussions. Yeah. Like that guy looks like he could rock a mad xylophone. Yeah. On the Mad Hatter, but yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. Uh, I wonder if there was any thought process that went into deciding who gets to play what instrument. If they're just like, eh, whatever. I don't know because my question was like, I think Minnie Mouse played the violin. Have we seen Minnie in a cartoon before then or since then playing the violin? Like, is it canon? Is what happened in that show canon? That's my question. <laughs> well, I mean, it is at Walt Disney World, so you would think it might be canon. But yeah. then again, it's like, like you look at all the LucasArts stuff. It's like, I mean, what you once assumed and accepted as canon, no longer canon. Exactly. They can. Hey, Thanos. No longer can it. <laughs> so, <laughs> just some fun facts. I mean, that's pretty much the show. You can go see it on YouTube if you're interested in checking out what that looked like. And um, if, for if, runtime, if you do want to go check it on YouTube, uh, for for the 83 animatronics they had and all the songs they played, I was expecting to you know run at least like five minutes plus. I think the YouTube video I watched like had a runtime like from beginning to end like maybe three minutes. It's not long. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't long. They cram a lot. That's why it's like they. It's definitely medleys of the songs. They're not performing, you know, the full w- "When You Wish Upon a Star" or anything like that. That's something to keep in mind. But uh, a few fun facts. These are some things I thought were kind of interesting about the Mickey Mouse review. The first is that the original theater sat 500 part guests, but the pre-show area only had room for 300. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. I, I, I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense because you know you fill up the pre-show that way. You know you've you've still got room in the theater. Maybe if people are showing up late, 
I guess. I don't know. But that is a little yeah, bit weird. I, I suppose, and I guess maybe it, with uh, the 300 people in the pre-show, uh, it'll build up a queue outside to make it look like this is a must-visit uh, attraction, yeah. possibly. There you go. That, that could be another reason. So the, the animatronic of Mickey is in the Walt Disney archives, and they actually brought him out for the D23 Expo in 2011. I don't know if he's made an appearance since then. But the last thing is, and I referenced this earlier, you can still find the three caballeros. And Landon, can you can you guess where you might find those three caballeros today? Hmm, would it be an Epcot somewhere, possibly? It could be. Hmm. It might be in the Mexico Pavilion. That, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you go ride the Grand Fiesta Tour, in the grand finale scene, as you're floating off um, in a celebration because finally Jose and Panchito have found Donald Duck, have found him, um, they're performing on stage together. And those, according to what we read, are the animatronics from the Mickey Mouse Review. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. It's another instance of uh, of an older attraction living on somewhere else within the Walt Disney World uh, properties, like paying uh, homage, or once again, depending on where you're from, you might pronounce it homage, homage. Uh, to uh, to their past. Yeah, it's nice to see that they're in good shape, still functioning, still in use. Not <laughs> that creates distinction from the Stitch animatronic that we saw, which was in some sort of a. A nightmare situation the last time we saw a picture of it so yeah once again going back to nightmare fuel yeah. <laughs> so that that feels like a, a good place to stop with nightmare fuel so <laughs> <laughs> landon did you have anything else you wanted to say to wrap up the discussion of the mickey mouse review no i can't think of anything i mean once again this is an attraction that came and went before you or i were alive so uh we don't have that you know it, uh memories of our experiences but i mean I do think this was a neat attraction. I don't know if it's necessarily an attraction I would go out of my way to go see if it was still, you know, active, but at the same time, still a neat attraction. Yeah, and in its place after it closed in the Magic Kingdom, Magic Journeys opened there and in in 87. So the, the theater actually sat empty for seven years. And then in 1993, it closed. It made way for Legend of the Lion King in 94. And then that was open until 2002. And now in that theater, we have PhilharMagic, which feels like a nice full circle thing because PhilharMagic is all about Mickey is supposed to be conducting an orchestra. So anyway, it just feels kind of nice because that feels like a nice bookend on the theater. It started with Mickey conducting and ends with Mickey as the conductor, although Donald messes the whole thing up, as Donald is wont to do. All right, Landon, thanks so much for helping me review the Mickey Mouse review, and if you want to review some of Landon's other content, you can find him on ButtMuchChips.com. You can follow him on Twitter at L-A-N-D-O-Z and L-A-N-D-O-Z Please go follow me. <laughs> That's nice. Nicely done. Thank you. Um, and he's got a couple podcasts that you might want to listen to. Near Fall Radio, if you're a fan of the sweet science of professional wrestling. And then he also has Got Talk, Game of Thrones Talk, which I found out. Game of Thrones coming back. Yeah, right? we, finally. Finally, uh, we finally have not a release date, a release month, but it's better yeah. than the complete silence we've gotten from HBO. So, uh, yeah, go, uh, go keep an eye out for Got Talk. That'll be back uh, sometime in April 2019. Coming up. So stay tuned. Until then, you can listen to more Monday Morning Monorail, and we'll be back with the final segment. Stick with us.
Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail. I hope you enjoyed M34D today. We were talking about the Mickey Mouse Review. Is that something you've ever heard of? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. We're doing a very special segment in segment three today because we have brought on somebody to help us. If, you, if you've been following the podcast from the beginning, one of the things we've done is, is we continued to have this Disney vacation planning series where... We kind of muddled through all the different questions that you might have as you tried to plan a Disney vacation for your family. And obviously, we're not professionals. We're not experts. We never claim to be. We just have opinions, and we love to share them. So we we basically put that information out there. Hopefully, it was helpful to some people. But all the while, we had um, a little pixie dust, a little magic in the background. If we forgot some things, maybe there's some things we need to mention. We, We had some professionals that were little birds in our ear. And uh, one of those is joining us today. And also, you may remember him as one of the mistaken identity <laughs> situations. Um, that was all you, honey. <laughs> one Nick split into two Nicks but right before my eyes. But today, we have with us Nick Salcedo of Capture the Magic Vacations, a certified Disney vacation planner. He is going to help us to basically correct everything we told everybody. So, Nick, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here to save us. Hey, hey, monorail crew. Glad to be uh, aboard the monorail out here in southwest Ohio. It couldn't have been a better time. All the freezing rain and everything. Happy to be somewhere else other than Ohio right now. (laughs) Yeah, at at least in spirit, right? Weather has been bad, I think, for all of us over here on this side of the country. So, But again, uh, at least, you know, while we're talking about it and Disney's kind of in the bubble, so fires in California, at least we're not dealing with that, right? Yeah, yes. There's thoughts with people who are dealing with that. Definitely. Hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody's safe. But uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about some good stuff here today. So Nick was so kind to uh, basically volunteer and say, look, hey, I, I know a thing or two about this stuff, and I can come on and tell you guys that if there are people out there who are feeling overwhelmed by all of the choices and all the things that you have to work through to plan oh, yeah. an effective Disney vacation, I can, I, I'm willing to help those people because it's kind of something I do. So. Um, if I can add here, um, I the first time I went to Disney, I had no idea what I was doing, and I could have really used a Nick in my life at that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I pretty much just uh, went. I didn't even know what a fast pass was. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's common, right? Uh, I think that's common. And it, it's you a think lot. you're just going to go to Disney, and not everybody's a nerd like me who wants to spend all their time like planning and going through all the details and no, minutia. I hate it. So hate it. <laughs> right. So yeah. n- so Nick. Tell us about uh, what you do and and kind of tell us about some of the things, some of the advantages you offer, especially for people who are like Samantha and, and maybe, maybe trying to plan a Disney vacation and they're clueless. Yeah, of course. Uh, so like you guys were talking about in a lot of the podcasts you guys have done in the past, you know, there's a lot of different podcasts that go over, you know, the details of what you can and cannot do down at Walt Disney World, as well as, you know, a lot of different books, but Depending on your circumstances, a lot of us that are going down there, we have kids, we have, you know, to run them around from here to there, everywhere. Uh, We have our own jobs and everything. And this is on the average family uh, once in every three to five years, if that trip. So it's a lot to take in. There's a lot of different options that Walt Disney World has to offer. And as good as that is going to that destination with as many options, it's also as overwhelming as you can imagine. Not knowing where to start, budget, resort, do I stay on-site, off-site? What the heck is a fast pass? What's an ADR? Why do I need to know where I'm going to be in 180 days? I don't know what I ate for lunch yesterday or what tomorrow, what day it is. So a lot of people are just kind of confused 
where to start and need some guidance. So that's where I come into play. And pretty much I will take them kind of like you had with chronologically with your podcast is figuring out what their party, what their party's goal is for that. If they're going down there, if this is, you know, my yearly trip or this is the one time we're going to do it and that's it. You know, I'm going to, I want to figure that out from those individuals and then kind of help them uniquely plan their trip to make that trip as magical as possible for them to go down there. That's awesome. And again, for, for a lot of people out there, it's, it's so much, it's like insurmountable, the amount of things that you have to know, and you can make a lot of mistakes and you don't want to have Disney regret. You don't want to head home and feel like you did it wrong or you missed out on something. So I, I I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's one of the bit, one of the hardest parts for a lot of people that, you know, I've interacted with and I've been helping people plan trips down to Disney world. Uh, even before I was, you know, the certified, uh, Disney vacation planner. And that's the one realization. It doesn't matter if you're going there for five days or two weeks, you're going to miss something. And there's so much to do down there. It's just a matter of prioritizing what's your top things to do. So you don't feel like you have those Disney regrets. The biggest reason that I wanted to be a vacation planner was the best part about ending a vacation that we had at Disney world was planning our next one. Usually we started that on the plane ride home. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, so if someone uh, calls you up, they, they access, you know, the capture the magic.com and they're going to work with you. Do you have that website? Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Uh, CaptureTheMagicVacations.com. That's there it. There you go. I wanted to make sure I was saying it right. So CaptureTheMagicVacations.com. So what, is that the first thing that you kind of do? You, you talk to them and just basically try to understand their goals and, and you know, the makeup of the party, all that? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because as, as uh, Disney is for planning a trip with my family, I've got three girls. So um, doing guy things while we're down there, I don't know what a guy thing is personally, but... <laughs> I've helped plan a lot of uh, different things for guys and, you know, boys and everything to do down there. But yeah, just trying to figure out the makeup of the party, how many kids, their ages, um, is there, you know, any grandparents, how many different people are involved? Because Disney, from a child's perspective, a three-year-old gets something different than a seven-year-old and then a 14-year-old, you know, it's it's all different makeup of them. So I'm not going to have the same recommendations for you know, each family, everything's going to be very unique to that party. So I want to know as much from them, who's going to be going down there and what kind of interest they have. What do they want to see? Absolutely. I have a question. So um, what makes you certified? So with that, so there's a lot of travel agents out there that, you know, you can just go on the Walt Disney World website. You guys can do that, plan your own trips and everything. But as far as we got our, you know, Disney recognized, uh, whatever you want to say from uh, Walt Disney World is we are partnered with Walt Disney World. And the fact that when we go um, and get trained, we have to go through Disney's special training. Oh. I had to watch, I think, you know, several hours of video, take some little quizzes just so they know that I know what all Walt Disney World has to offer. Gotcha. Uh, you know, and, and that's not specific to just Walt Disney World. That's any Disney destination, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, and then the various parks outside of the country as well. So is there like continuing education? Because one thing that we've learned over this podcast is everything keeps changing at Disney. 
Yeah, definitely. It's changing almost constantly. And especially, you know, you guys are uh, watching that. And then that goes into the new resorts that they're going to have, the different experiences, the ride closures, the different openings, all that moving around. There's no specific requirement that we have to within a yearly basis. But every year we do have to go through just a, a review check to make sure we know kind of the big picture sort of things keep up and up on their you know, the overview of everything. But yeah, like you said, seasonally, there's different offers that come out that we keep up with and as well as the parks, different construction and that sort of thing. So we can advise our clients on that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense too, because a lot of people don't, maybe they're not quite as obsessed as say, maybe I am. So they're not watching the Disney Newswire every single day. They don't know about the newest resorts opening up and maybe what's available to them. So that's another huge advantage of, of working with someone who that's what they do. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got it. And, and I think another aspect of that is the refurbishments that they're doing. Cause I was helping a couple just recently plan a trip and they wanted to go to the Caribbean beach because they wanted those pie rooms. And I said, you know, I just want to let you know that resort as of right now is under construction. So yeah, the prices are a little bit reduced, but there's going to be potentially a lot going on there when you're down there. And, you know, that was enough for them to look at some of the other moderate resorts and something that potentially could have dra- dramatically impacted their trip once they were down there having to work on, you know, deal with uh, some construction, some minor inconveniences, but that that can make a big difference. I mean, right. yeah, it's, it's a lot of money they're putting down in a short period of time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge investment. And you probably know where all the discounts are right now, like at different time periods, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Every time that I go on to, you know, give a quote, they're free and no obligations, by the way. <laughs> but if I'm going to uh, give a quote for somebody, the the first thing that pops up and I switch this on, you know, my um, website, my customized website that I go on there, everything that comes up is there are different offers that they have. So during those time periods. And that kind of leads into another benefit of having a Disney vacation planner. So if I'm going to plan your trip like six months from now, obviously as of right now, there's probably not a lot of deals that you're aware of and that Disney has out right now, but I'm going to keep an eye on your reservation. The closer that we get towards uh, your uh, actual date of vacation, Disney has a tendency to seasonally open up different deals, whether it be just on the parks, the resorts, packages, whatever they have. And I'm going to see if anything fits with what we have booked. And then I'm just going to go ahead and rebook all that stuff. So you get the discount. So you get that reduced price. So you can spend more on all the snacks and the food and, you know, whatever you want to down there, just to make sure that I got, you know, the best deal that we can get for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that really does That's help. That's a huge benefit. So yeah. here's something I would like to do. Let's role play yeah. for a minute. <laughs> all right, all right. You're getting Sam. This is her first ever Disney vacation. Never done it before. <laughs> and by the way, totally messed it up my first time. But I come to you, which I wish I would have. And I say, this is how much my budget is. Um, here you know, is the time frame that I would like to go. And you help me plan this stuff. But... I also have no clue what a fast pass is. I don't know what the restaurants are. I don't even know that you have to have a reservation to get into a restaurant. Right. Do you do that stuff for people? Yeah. And that's the one difference. uh, And myself personally, like when we first started doing the Disney thing, I was much like you guys. Like the first trip that we took down there was my wife and I's our honeymoon. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. We did a split stay 
I didn't really know what I was doing. Worst thing uh, imaginable, carrying our <laughs> luggage all over the place when you didn't have to. Yeah. So that's something that I personally will do with you guys is figuring out your budget, figuring out where you would want to stay, whether that be on-site at Walt Disney World as well as off-site, because I can tell you some of the benefits for some certain hotels around that area that they get kind of privileged. They're held to higher standards than other uh, resorts, and they get um, the Disney privileges such as the 60 days, Fast Pass Plus, as well as 180 days for dining reservations. Oh, nice. So once I figure out where you guys wanted to stay, how many days you wanted to be in the parks, then we would talk about the 180 days ADRs, advanced dining reservations, why that's important, um, what kind of big things, big ticket items you guys would want to see. And, you know, I, I can't tell you the, um, the realization. I just helped somebody plan a trip in December and they talked to me in August. By the time we figured things out, they're like, you know, the one thing that I want to do is um, have breakfast with the princesses in Cinderella Castle. If it's not 180 days, ah, that is a very hard thing to do. So we would, you know, get all that stuff done. And I tell you what, at the 180 day mark, 7 a.m., I'm up, I'm making your reservations. We'll go over Fast Pass Plus selections. I've got this handout and everything that you can kind of look forward to. If that's too much, you tell me your goals, ambitions, your favorite attractions. I will get them all booked. And I think that's another thing with uh, Fast Pass Plus. I can't tell you how many people that I've seen just go all over the place in a park. You know, they start off in Tomorrowland, they go to Adventureland, then back to New Fantasyland. You're wasting a lot of time just walking from A to B. Why don't we group them here and then we'll kind of efficiently meander our way through the park. Yeah, so Uh, Justin's done that to us, by the way. (laughs) We were all over the place. And, I mean, the family was in tears because our feet were dying. Our our step trackers were pretty happy, though. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, you got your steps in. I bet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, even if that was happy, I wasn't happy. If I'm not happy, no one's happy. (laughs) That's a (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It just seems like it would be a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Take so much of the stress and worry off of you if, if it's not your thing. I mean, most people probably aren't like me and they want to be obsessed over it and get into the detail and plan out every little minute that we're going to be in the park. Oh, no. It sounds yeah. like a terrible. Oh, you should see my spreadsheet. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think all of us Disney nerds have our own spreadsheets that we use uh, once we're down there. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. He pulls out a list and he like rolls it out like Santa Claus's list. They check it twice. I'm like, I check it we're twice, doing so all three that. Times. He's like, yeah, we're doing all that. Making sure we're on schedule. Hey, it's 10 o'clock. We're not in Pandora yet. We, we're behind. Exactly. Got to step it up. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, and that's something I'll work with people on because, you know, there's different personality types out there everybody or some people want you know what i'm doing at 10 o'clock there's 10 15 10 30 other people are like you know i want to do these three things and just kind of do my own thing and then i can kind of coach them through different things there and either way i think i i really love working with those people and telling them those like hidden gems things that you wouldn't see like that um peter pan float that's um new and we kind of missed that as well but you know going down there if you haven't tried a dole whip i think you did disney wrong that time so (laughs) this is where you need to find these specific snacks and have these different experiences it's 
I'm it's, totally it's allergic to Sam, I know you love pineapple. So, <laughs> uh, that, or are you more of a citrus swirl? Is yeah, that, she'd be citrus swirl. I, I can't eat pineapple. You it could will do kill the citrus, me. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Pineapple is my arch nemesis. <laughs> so that'd be good for I think you if you're gonna, that on a podcast in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Several times. <laughs> yeah. If you're working with Nick, it might be a good idea to tell you if you have allergies. <laughs> so yeah. Avoid. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah you got it. That's no another thing with the allergies. If you guys tell me uh, peanut allergies or something like that, I when I make your dining reservations, I can put that, I'll call it over and Put that in the notes for your wait staff to know. So once you sit oh, down, that's awesome. you know, then uh, when they know about that, the chefs, uh, from my experience, most places, the chefs will actually come out, talk to you guys about what allergies you have, mm-hmm. what kind of things he has in mind for you. And then they'll kind of substitute to make sure that meal is as enjoyable as they can make it without having things that potentially can risk your life eating. Right. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, no kidding. So we've gone over a couple of things you've talked about like um, that, that could potentially trip up new travelers to Disney, like the ADRs, the fast passes. What are some other like common mistakes that you see for people who um, are a little more Disney planning casual? I think some of the common mistakes, you know, is the non-realization of a budget. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that come to me, the first thing I ask is, you know, I, I see your travel party. These are the dates you're trying to go to or that you're trying to make it down there. What kind of budget do you have in mind? I think the realization is, you know, I I really don't have one. Let's just kind of blue sky it and we'll plan whatever we can. And once I give them a quote of this is your two bedroom uh, resort <laughs> at the Grand Floridian, then they're like, wait a minute. Ooh. I really don't think of that is feasible anymore. But yeah. You know, once we kind of rein that in um, and a lot of other things, the advanced dining reservations, that's got to be the big one. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that want to have the Cinderella Castle experience or some high level uh, character meal that they've heard so much about. But then they're planning their trip in three months. That's very hard to get yeah. uh, without that six month window yeah i learned that my first time i tried to go up to a restaurant and i was like yeah we'd like to do a table for two and she looked at me and said do you have a reservation i was like no and she's like you can't eat here (laughs) yeah i mean and we had a similar experience the first time we went to beaches and cream yeah oh yeah yeah, Yeah. we 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 try to walk up there and and they looked at us like we had three heads yeah right Yeah, I only ate quick service on my first trip because I had no idea. And I really wanted to go to a restaurant. I was like, dang it. Oh, yeah. 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 And those are definitely some some tough things, because also with uh, regard to the quick service, you can have some really good meals. A lot of people think if I'm going to a theme park, uh, whatever theme park is closest to them, I'm going to get some burgers, fries, chicken nuggets, things like that. You can eat some really good quick service meals with a variety of different spice palettes, different flavors. It's just a matter of knowing where to go. And I think I can help coach a lot of people through that because i just had a guy him and his wife went down there and i gave them some different things to try when they were at epcot food and wine festival Mm. uh, for example and that's something that talk about overwhelming there's no reservations needed there you just go around eat till you can so i kind of give (laughs) them all the drinks around the world (laughs) oh heck yeah right right (laughs) a lot of things they have around the world yeah (laughs) some of the things that i really enjoy talking to everybody about 
if they're going down, like I have a couple right now, they're going to take a Disney cruise. This is their first vacation in five years. And their daughter, their you know only child, she's going to be five. And this is her birthday trip. Did you know anything about setting up the room to when you guys get there that it's all kind of decked out with their own special birthday surprise in there? Or there's an option that you can have a meal and this, you know, this special Mickey cake just magically just shows up at your dining room, your dinner table. I mean, all stuff like that, I think is amazing. Adds that little extra magic pixie dust to your trip. And for kids, that'll just kind of blow them away. That how the heck did Mickey know I was turning five or what's up with this Mickey cake or, you know, the special bouquet of flowers showing up. Um, I think stuff like that is just, it's awesome. And one of the big perks to being a vacation planner is adding that little extra magic to their trips. Yeah. So Nick, I think you make a amazing argument for people to work with you, give you a call. There's so many benefits, so many reasons. I mean, even for people who are experienced in planning Disney vacations or know a little bit more, you know, th- there's always something you might be forgetting. And, and just talking about, like you said, the magical touches you can add to the state rooms and or the birthday surprise, or I know you can do those sorts of things in the resorts as well. So people aren't always aware of how to do it or even how to go about booking those things. So, yeah. I mean, um, absolutely. I, I, I think that, you know, I'm sold. Maybe I'm just going to give up my planning days and just call you everything. <laughs> no, nah, he's a control freak. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think I could trust Nick. You could. Right. I agree. But you also would be like, you'd probably be bothering him all the time. Like, what about, what about this? <laughs> Basically like the Disney equivalent of a bridezilla. Is yes. that what you're saying I yes. am? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, those clients, I mean, they're, they're fun too to work with. And, you know, if you're going to, I'll pitch some different itineraries that I have at, uh, for us and our family and you can throw stuff back at me. Yeah. Let's work together and plan this trip out. I think, you know, that's, one of the fun parts is just planning it all, just getting ready for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now that we're now that we're to the kind of wrapping up, some of the things that I feel like are important, we got to talk about some Nick favorites here. So, like, give me a favorite restaurant, favorite on Walt Disney property. What's your favorite restaurant? So the last time that we were down there, the my favorite that blew me away. If you guys ever get the chance to go to Sanaa over at Animal Kingdom Lodge, phenomenal. The bread service. Go there, get you some wine, uh, sit out by the animals, get some bread, the bread service, some wine, a phenomenal evening. You don't even have to order an entree. Just get that. That's amazing. The stuff that we had there, the food there. I mean, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, um, that, that's probably my pick outside of the park. Inside the park, I have a special connection with Be Our Guest Restaurant. Oh, yeah. the food there, you know, depending on what review you get, it's good. It's bad. It's OK. The experience, the ambiance, I'm not there to eat. I just want to go sit there, have a drink and sit in, you know, the West Wing and look at that rose, sit there, watch the snow falling, go back out there where it's a thousand degrees. It's it's just amazing <laughs> going there. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about favorite resort overall? Oh, hands down Polynesian. Yeah, there you hands go. Down. Uh, there's that's just home. That's uh, that's where we go. It's 
best place. Yeah. Again, that's a bucket list thing for me. I've never stayed there. We've been there several times, but the air makes my throat swell. <laughs> the pineapples are in the <laughs> that's air. The downfall is uh, yeah, the pineapples are plenty down there. Oh They're falling gosh. off the trees. Yeah. Over there. No I think kidding. the beds are made of pineapple. <laughs> the shower <laughs> yeah. is pineapple. It's just water. pineapple juice. <laughs> yeah, I think water. instead of fluoride, they put in the water is pineapple juice. <laughs> yeah. just all over the place. Uh, yeah. I, I could just feel it hurting. All right. Here's another important one. Favorite attraction. Favorite attraction. So I'm kind of biased as of right now from where the ages of my kids, my oldest daughter, she just turned eight. So some of the roller coasters and things we haven't experienced just because they're a little little gun shy on mm-hmm. them still. But I'd have to say with kids, unpopular opinion, we always hit small world about 20 times. In a row. Oh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people kind of get turned off on that. It's a love-hate relationship, but we're on there all the time, and we can't go down there without being on there. Nick, anything else you wanted to tell people about before we wrap up for the day? Uh, I think one of the biggest perks for having a Disney vacation planner is not only everything that we just went over and talked about, but the bottom line, you pay absolutely nothing for it. Uh, everything is, uh, you know, Disney has their own scheme of how they pay us and everything. But if you went online and booked your own trip and then talked to a vacation planner and booked that trip, it's, you know, a high likelihood that the trip that you book with a vacation planner is going to be cheaper just because we're looking out for all those deals. We know where to find them. We know how to get your party access to them. And then, you know, for all those other reasons, we're going to apply that little bit of extra magic to your trip to make that something that hopefully is built on memories, that magic experience that you had down there. And it's going to be something that you guys cherish for as, as long as you guys are around. That's That's, our goal. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, one more question on the way out. Dining plan. Yay or nay? Uh, For us? No, I like snacks way too much. Uh, (laughs) Our uh, sit down meals, maybe once. If I can just sit there and snack all day, you know, every hour I'd be eating. Yeah. yeah, there's there's way too much. Yeah, yeah. Just curious. I was I'm always interested to see what people's perspective is on that. Yeah, are you guys dining plan? We're we're family? we're not. We're um we mm. go more with like out of pocket because I I just really feel like you in order to get the value out of it you you've got to you have to use every credit and you have to eat like so much. Right. Yeah. 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 And that that's something too. Um, we looked into doing the dining plan, and if you wanted to really maximize it. There's certain ways to get your money's worth and you have to know so much details, ins and outs, and you have to like the most expensive thing Mm -hmm. on the menus when you go here and there. What we do is we just put uh, an order in on um, Amazon now. We put everything in our pantry. Once we fly down, once we land in MCO in that airport, we connect to the internet, hit send. Within an hour, the food usually beats us there. So once we check in, Bell Service already puts it in our room, and that's our snacks. Our girls, you know, they're they're smaller kids. They don't eat like us. So if uh, I can get, you know, a little pack of fruit snacks or whatever snacks that they like, they're eating, they're happy, we're sitting in line, they're entertained, and, you know, we just saved a ton of money because we didn't have to pay that much for snacks and everything. That's brilliant. Um, Again, something that I didn't know, so (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, 
A good note to end on there. Another great tip. So, Nick, thanks so much for coming on with us today. This we has been a lot of fun. We need to know how to get a hold of him. I'm about to. I'm about to. Okay. And, and if I say anything wrong, he can correct me. Okay. But, but again, the the website is capturethemagicvacations.com. Yes, with an sir. S. Yep. Okay. Yes, it is with an S. Yep. Just checking. And you're on Twitter. Tell people your Twitter handle because it's uh, confusing to me. It can be. There's a lot of Nicks that <laughs> like the TTA out there and the people mover. Uh, so I, I'm at TTA underscore team underscore lead. Try to just talk about Disney stuff. Have fun with it on there. I've also got uh, my own page on Facebook. It's Nick Salcedo at Capture the Magic Vacations. You guys look me up there. I'm just posting things, you know different deals, different offers. I like throwing fun facts and pictures out there. Monorail Monday, we talk about uh, Spaceship Earth Sunday. You know, there's a lot of things that we'll talk about on that. Awesome. So get out there, hit the follow button, hit the like button. But the most important thing you should do is reach out to Nick if you're planning a Disney vacation because he's going to do it right and he's going to make sure you don't have any regrets on the way home. So You got that right. Nick, yes, sir. Yeah. Nick, and thank you so guys much. again for having me. It was a pleasure. Love the podcast. Glad to share some time on the monorail with you guys. Yeah, All right. thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, everybody. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, as it always is. If you need to find us, we're on Twitter at Morning Monorail. We have a Facebook page. We've got an email. We've got a, you just listen to the outro. You'll get all the information. But have a magical week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. We hope you enjoyed the journey and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, and suggestions on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings and please watch your step as you exit. (laughs) See y'all real soon.